Memory by Rehema Njambi. You know that kind of silence that makes everything shake inside you. I can feel it waiting for me on the other side of the kitchen door. The room's overflowing with it. I stand just before the doorway, my small, ten-year-old body casting a shadow from the light behind me and listen to my heart beating erratically. My eight-year-old brother, Theo, is responsible for my presence in this moment. And for the hundredth time, I curse the fact that I'm too heavy a sleeper to wake up without his intervention. I stretch out my hand and push open the door. I already know what I'll find. There is always the hope that I might be wrong, and even though I know immediately that I am not, when my gaze takes in the scene in front of me, some part of me is grateful that I still think it might be different. I still expect my parents' situation to change. That's what we call it at our house. A situation. Like their relationship isn't a death trap in the making. Our house is a booby trap of loaded guns that could go off at any time and I think it's the thrill of it all that keeps my father here. Sometimes I'm not sure which of us will survive, if any of us survive at all. But the moment my gaze sets on the marks on my mother's arms, the scratches on my father's face, the quiet stillness in the room steals over me. They're both standing in the space between our dining table and the kitchen. The sink is overflowing with dishes the tap still running and water now splashing onto the floor. I imagine what has happened. I picture my father stumbling home late, drunk, demanding food. My mother cooks because of course she cooks. He eats, she starts doing the dishes and they begin talking, probably even laughing. Then he asks a question, or maybe she brought up the kids back home, the bills in the house, whatever. It doesn't really matter. They argue. My brother, asleep in the room directly above the kitchen, jolts awake at the noise. This is usually how it starts. He creeps to the edge of the stairs and peers down, attempting to hear what's being said. Something crashes, broken dishes, a slap, noise. Too much of it. She starts crying. This is usually when he gets scared. He crawls to my room and turns the handle climbs into my bed, shakes me awake. Of the many times he's kept watch at the edge of the stairs, he's only ever woken me up a handful of times. The few times he does, I know to jump up and rush downstairs. So this moment, this scene should not feel the way it does to me right now. It's nothing new, but tonight, something breaks. Maybe it's the silence, it feels like something has just happened. Something that should not have been done, even by our standards. And even though I don't know what, I know I've never seen that look on my mother's face before. Not in all the times before. I step into the room and reach over to the cutlery drawer closest to me and grab the closest thing to hand. A knife. I guess it's me that's going to take us down then. Whatever. What are you doing? I look at my father when I ask this question, just so we're clear who it's for. My voice sounds far too calm. He lets go of my mother's arms. They both turn to me and stare at the knife in my hand. Mom steps forward to stand beside me. I look at her face. She's been crying, so I start crying. 
I don't think there's anyone alive that can keep from crying when their mother cries. It's like trying to plug a hole with water. No good. My father smiles. Smiles. He must think I'm playing around. I stretch out my arm and point the knife directly at his bare belly, the tip just inches from his belly button. The one my brother and I wrestle to poke fingers into chanting, I've got an innie, you've got an innie, we've all got innie. Get out, I say, and jerk my head towards the door. He blinks at me and shakes his head, laughing. My arm doesn't even shake. Honey, listen. The tone of his voice is dripping with understanding. Me and mum were just talking, that's all. I didn't touch her. You can see, right? Look at what she's done to my face. I think it's the understanding he's trying to convey that pushes me over the edge. Or maybe I've just had enough. I don't know. I don't even remember all of it afterwards. All I know is one minute he's talking, explaining, reaching for the knife and the next I'm screaming. Sentences sprinting out of my mouth carrying words I've never dared to say and I feel like I've cracked inside. I can see them talking but I don't hear it. I can't even hear myself but the words are out there now. I tell them both the truth and when I come to myself I'm heaving. My chest rising and falling and the knife is pressed right there at his stomach and I've only got one thing left to say. Get the hell out of our house or I swear to God I am going to kill you. The next day at school, my friends and I are huddled around a tiny stone table in the playground, belting out Rihanna's unfaithful at the top of our lungs. My favourite line is, of course, I don't want to be a murderer. I like the drama, the truth of it. We're shrieking and laughing and making a god-awful racket and I'm the loudest of them all. In class, my best friend and I pass notes. We've made up our own secret code and of course, we're using it for the most important reason of all, to talk about boys. She's in love and as soon as we've figured out what to say, we're going to ask that boy out. That's the thing about girls, you know. If you think you're dealing with just one of them, boy, have you got it wrong. She's got a whole crew behind her, just telling her what to say, when to say it, what to wear, how to wear it. Every girl has her squad. I don't use the code to tell her I almost stabbed my father last night. I don't tell my squad that. 